To those that have not met my wife, uh, this is my beautiful wife down. And would you stand up, darling? Yeah, no, I'll just stand with you. <laughs> this is this is my beautiful Julie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we've just come through our 61st wedding anniversary, and so it's been it's been great. And so it's been a, a match in heaven, really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have uh, ha- had three children, a boy and two girls, and uh, we've got 11 grandchildren, and we've got seven great-grandchildren, and so life is pretty busy, and I was just telling the church this morning that we lost our son three months ago, and so, you know, we're just sort of walking that one through, and so yeah, there's a bunch of emotions down in here that we just sort of keep uh, for times when we're alone. Yeah. So, Father, tonight we thank you for who you are, and we thank you, Father, you're raising up a new generation, and that new generation is ready to spring forth. And tonight, Father, we just ask that you would just allow the anointing to come on the young people in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. So I was uh, thinking about the church and, and the churches. Wherever I go, there's a, a move of young people coming into fruition, and they are beginning to take a hold of the kingdom of God like nobody's business. They just really are all in, and everything they've got is God's. And it's just so wonderful to see the churches you know, with a whole bunch of young people that are really zealous and really equipped by the Spirit of God. And it's just a marvelous thing that's happening across our nation uh, any, anyway. And so I wanted to just talk to you tonight a little bit uh, about this because I think that really what, what your church is going to receive is going to have a, a drawing anointing for young people. And uh, so that anointing is going to get stronger and stronger for the remainder of the year. And then into the three months uh, to come in the new year, it's going to start to superimpose. And there's going to be a lot of people that are just looking, well, who's all these young people? Well, it's it's the ones that the Lord has drawn into the house of God. That's who. So... So I'm, I'm pretty excited, and uh, so let, let me just start off by saying that, you know, a lot of us, most of us in this room here were young at once, at uh, one time. <laughs> I've got, I got to look back to 82 years, so it's a long way back, but I still feel youthful on the inside here. So, so when I'm saying, uh, you know, there's going to have a whole lot of youthful people uh, coming in, a lot of people, senior people, are going to come in with youthful spirits. Okay? And they're not going to be bogged down. They're not going to be held back. They're going to get into it straight away. And uh, it's like Julie and I, when we were in our 30s, uh, we, we got into it straight away and, and just enjoyed everything that the kingdom of God uh, opened up to us. And uh, so young people, I'm, I'm always about young people. And uh, so the potential of youth 
is an amazing thing. They've got so much potential on the inside, but the problem is they don't know how to spend it. They don't know how to, to give it out apart from parties and rugby and cricket and all the other things that are open to them. But when they come into the church, it just subsides and, you know, there's a whole different lifestyle that really takes place. And uh, so I'm really excited tonight, just as I was praying this afternoon and just really thinking about what I should say uh, to you. And this is the only thing that God really gave me. He says, you want to tell the church that there's going to be a move of young people. And so I'm just feeling that for you. And, uh, and so I thought, well, I better speak a little bit about it uh, and bring it into a place of understanding. I think, uh, you know, I've been young myself. And, <laughs> and uh, at uh, 18 years of age, I was conscripted into the army and so trained and equipped and demobbed as a sniper. And so that was something that I never thought would ever happen in the, in the course of my lifetime. But see, people started to invest in my life, teach me how to march, how to about turn, right turn, left turn, and make your bed at night time. You know, I ne- as a young fellow, I never made the bed. Mum always made the bed. And, uh, but... When I went into the army, the first thing they said, you, if your bed is a mess in the morning, you are going to be on fatigues today. And so I thought, no, okay, teach me how to do that. So they showed you how to overlap the blankets and get them on fine lines and, and piled up nicely. And then you stand there and some guy comes along and goes, like this and knocks them all around. So you've got to do fatigues for the day. But anyway, it's... Uh, there's so many things that really were put into my life as a young person. It came out of that uh, the, the training period with something that I never thought would ever be in me. And then, so I thought, well, what am I going to do with my life? So I thought, okay, I'm going to apply to be a policeman. So I was accepted into the, into the New Zealand police at 19 years of age, just a young person. I didn't understand what we were going to do, but we uh, arrived in Wellington and they took us up to a place where we donned all the uniforms and, uh, and dressed ourselves up. And I had to be on the watch uh, at five o'clock the next morning and we had shirts, shirts that had stiff collars and we had to put dyes on them and, uh, and try to find and the studs to hold the collar together and, and uh, you're running a bit late <laughs> And so I get down to the, the station and uh, you, 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 stand up against that wall. And these are all the new boys, you know, and so we stood against the wall. And they said, my name is Sergeant Moran. And follow me. And where to? He didn't say. He just said, follow me. So he went out onto the street and we went up the streets of Wellington City and he's pointing out things and pointing people out. He's a crook. He's, a, he's, he's, a, he's one who steals things, you know. Da, 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 da. And so what he was doing was beginning to mentor us and begin to train us and equip us and to teach us. And he said, you've got to use these eyes here. You've got to watch and look for the furtive movements. You've got to look for the facial features. And so you start teaching and teaching and putting things into you and then sitting down for hours and 
examining the laws of New Zealand and, and having to really pass those to really have any chance of being an officer in the, in the, in the police. And so I love those days where coming out of the army and now into the police with the same structure. But when I got saved, I, got, I, I decided I don't want to do this police thing anymore because I've got a feeling that I want to be a minister of the gospel. I don't want to lock people up anymore and put them in prison. I want to preach the gospel to them and set them free. And so that was the thing. Got a hold of it. And with all the training and equipping in there, it really was uh, the same. I, get, I got a person that started to train me, equip me, and lead me, guide me, show me. You know. And so as a young, younger person, I was in my early 30s then, and uh, so I learned how to really function in those things. We all need somebody in our lives that will tell us, show us, love us, surround us, and help us to grow and be what God wants us to be. And so many people have missed out, and so many of those young people out there that are not even in the kingdom of God yet uh, are missing out. But when you touch those young people, you just love them and really help them to really grow. It's a wonderful uh, sensation to really help these young people. And so I spent most of my time... uh, helping young people. I figured that the older guys that are in church, they, they know a lot of stuff and they can keep themselves busy, but I, I, I just want to get the young ones, and anything that I knew was about that much, I'll tell them that anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I got to thinking, and uh, I, I, I want to say this tonight, that I was thinking about, I, I walk through as a young person the Second World War years and family, you know, off overseas and, and things happening. And uh, so I thought, I'm not going to make a study here because, you know, youth, youth have got strength. And here I found that, you know, there were a lot of situations which really showed you exactly what was happening in the course of the, the warfare that was going on around the world. And uh, I looked at this, because when we went to Hawaii and other different places, the one thing I wanted to do was go to the, to the place where they bury the soldiers and the sailors and the airmen and the people that were killed in action. So I'd go to all these funeral, uh, these uh, places where they're buried, and I'd walk up and down uh, and looking at the crosses and all these names, but it actually had one other aspect to it. If it was Peter Jones, age 21, and 19, and 20, and 22, 23, all these young men that were taken out because of the war. And you know, it's, it's those young people that gave their lives for a nation, for a people. And I believe that, you know, God is really just going to bring a whole lot of young people in and they're going to wage war with the enemy. Yeah. And they're really going to get on the ball and they're going to really know they've got something that really is, is stimulating them on the inside here. 
And so I went to Pearl Harbor and uh, all those that were uh, buried, the average age was 20. The bridge over the River Kwai, when I was up there in the, in the forest where the railway line was, 20. All, the ki- all these soldiers that were killed and murdered, as you were, 20 years of age. Arnhem in Holland, where they were shot down as they were c- coming in to, to battle. And they, they were averaging 22. And so in the Battle of Britain, with all the fighters and, and all the bombers, you know, they were averaging 19, 20, 21 in those three figures there. And these guys, flying spitfires, flying bombers. You know, young people can do stuff. That's the thing that gets inside me. And so I, I think the church you know, really needs to get a hold of the fact that young people have got something on the inside and they don't know what to do with it until somebody gets a hold of their lives and start to train them and equip them and tell them and follow them, love them and and have them around for a meal and have a chat and talk to them and see if you can get inside of them. And when you get inside of them, they begin to open up because somebody has taken an interest in them. And those that are out there in this world at the moment that are creating all the problems as young people, they've got no fathers. The fathers don't know what to do with them. They don't, the fathers are probably not at home anyway. And they need somebody. So let's be the somebodies. Am I speaking to the converted here tonight? All right. So it's, a, it's like an imperative. And so it's an exciting thing. So I think that, you know, future leaders are going to come out of young people. And and the church doesn't need to be short-sighted. I think we're missing something that's very obvious, that there's capabilities inside of young people, just that we don't uh, bring it out of them. And so the future of the church, or the future of the nations, for instance, you know, are are just being overlooked it's all about who's stationed now in important places and all those voices are being heard and the, some of those voices don't know what they're saying anyway and they don't know how to heal something and they don't know how to change something and so they're blaming everybody and blaming this and blaming that and there's a whole bunch of people that just really feel like, give me a shot at that and the young people and so it's... Are you breathing here tonight? All right. So... In every nation as ours, the future leaders of tomorrow are alive today. They're at school, they're at high school, they're at colleges, they're universities, they're roaming the streets and they're out in early apprenticeships and and just thinking about, you know, that nice little girl there, I'm going to marry her, you know, and early early in the peace. And so God is wanting us to really have a heart for young people. And so, the short-sighted eschatology that's been in the churches for a long, long time is probably the seizing thing, that seized the movement of the church and the, and the way the church is built. And so we need to return to what I term a, is a, a cathedral mentality, making disciples training leaders, reaching youth. And so many people are so busy in the world of doing 
but they're not becoming. But I, I've got this feeling that there's going to come a wave of young people that will become what they could be because we take an interest in them and train them and equip them and show them and lead them and govern them and expect the best from them. Amen? Amen. All right. So here's a question. Why did Jesus choose the young people? The 12 were young. Every one of the 12 was young. He gave them the greatest commission that young men could ever have in a course of lifetime. And over three and a half years, he had them and trained them and equipped them and showed them and led them and guided them and imparted to them. And they took over when he was crucified. He died for the world, but many of those who followed him also gave their lives. But multitudes multitudes were saved and brought into the kingdom of God. It's a little bit opposite today. We're sort of hesitant to really give young people a shot at it. And uh, I believe that they can really handle it because they've been trained to learn. And so if we are training them to learn the ways of God, they will come to it because there'll be a real expectation that's built in there because we have the ability to impart to them, to receive what you've got. I always give it away. And it, it, it's, uh, it's the potential that I know is in young people. Can you put that uh, photo up there for me? And I'll, I'll try and illustrate what I'm saying here tonight. Not that photo. <laughs> Will that take a little while to do, Pastor? Okay. So we didn't uh, overlook them because they were young. It says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Jesus just simply followed the trend of his father. Jesus was born, trained, equipped, and given by the father to everything that he had here. And so Jesus, you know, God, oh, he's there. Okay. See this, this guy here, Julie and I were, this is just an illustration, but there's multitudes of them. Uh, Julie and I always have family holiday and go out camping. And so over Christmas and New Year, we're on the beach and so we're swimming and hanging out and sitting in our campsite. And one day when I'm sitting in the campsite, uh, I had just been down in Wellington restoring a church which uh, had blown apart. And so I was feeling for it, and, uh, and this is what happened. That this, this guy came into the campsite, and I'm looking at him and thinking, what the heck? He, he had blonde hair and spikes all over his head and with glue on it to hold it in place. 
And, and I said, who the heck is this? And, and the kids all piped up and said, that's Sam Bailey. I said, where did he come from? Oh, we know him, you know, he's, he's one of the guys. And so I said, how you doing, Sam? He says, I'm okay. I said, what are you doing with your life? Oh, he said, I'm not doing anything. So I said, what do you like doing? And he said, oh, just being a beach bum and surfing, hanging out. And I said, do you do anything apart from that? He said, yeah, I go down to the schools at lunchtime and talk to the kids and, and do stuff with them. I said, what sort of stuff? He said, oh, fun stuff, breaking eggs on their heads and doing all sorts of things. And I said, really? And so my next statement was, you want to do something? He said, what? I said, well, I'm going to challenge you. I want you, because he was a loose cannon, I want you on Friday to get in your car and come down to Wellington with us. He said, why would I do that? I said, because I haven't got a youth pastor and I'm going to train you to be one. And he went, what? I said, you think it over and give me an answer tomorrow. And he wandered in on the next day and sort of dragging his feet. And he said, you're on. And Julie says, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm just following the Holy Spirit. That's all. And there's nothing. And, uh, and so I said, Sam, 10 o'clock Friday, you're on your way to Wellington. So we got home. He, he arrives. He comes in. And uh, I said to him, the first thing you're going to do is that you're going to live with us. You're going to be in this house. That's your room there, and Julie will sort you out, <laughs> like she sorted me out. <laughs> and, so, and so here he is, he comes just with a haversack and old clothes and whatever. And so Sam, Sam Bailey, started to live with us in our house, and so he had the privilege of watching how our husband and wife function, and how father functions, and how mother functions, and how, how to do things in the house. We taught him how to make beds, and we taught him how to clean stuff up, and we taught him how to shave, and shampoo, and every other thing. But he said, I can't do the shampoo because it's, you know, you know. And I said, well, it's gonna come. Anyway, and so for a period of time, just teaching him how to live was good enough right there. So on the Sunday, uh, he comes to church. We're sitting in the front row. He comes up and he sits right down beside us. And everybody's looking at him and so, what the, who's that? So I said, Sam, just get up behind the pulpit, because I was the senior pastor. Get up behind the pulpit and just tell the people who you are and why you're here. And so he gets up there and he says, G'day, my name's Sam Bailey and I'm going to be your youth pastor. <laughs> and everybody's going, what, what, 
what the heck? <laughs> so I got up and I said, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, he's, he's in the training section <laughs> and, and it'll be fine. And you know what? Within weeks, this young man started to gather young, young people because he, he, he had never done anything like this and he goes into the schools, he's out in the streets, and he's bringing young people into the house of God. And we got all these weird people in the house, but those weird people were getting sorted out and, and watching him, how he is changing. And so he, from this spikes and what have you, this is, this is after he got rid of the spikes and, and started to look like, you know, a young Christian. <laughs> and so Sam uh, became known right around town because he, he was unashamed of the gospel, unashamed of being what he was and who he is. He was unashamed. He got God, God the glory. And ultimately, our church was bulging with young people coming in. And it was an amazing sequence of events. So, you know, he learned how to use a knife and fork and all the rest of it and getting along real good. So I said to him, Sam, you don't mind me telling you stories, do you? Yep. Um, I said, Sam, you ever had a girlfriend? He said, yeah. I said, what happened to, to that? He said, oh, I dumped her. And, and I said, you what? He said, yeah, you know, I just dumped her. And I said, who is she? So he gave me the name. Well, I wouldn't know who she was. But I said to her, right now, right now, you go out and get in your car and you drive to Auckland and you go and knock on the door of where she lives and you apologize to that girl and you apologize to the parents for the way you treated that girl. That is not the way that young people should be living their lives. And he said, oh, come on. I said, go to Auckland and if you don't do it, don't bother coming back. So within three days, he was back again. And I said, how'd he go? He said, we're back together. <laughs> yeah, and the parents are okay about it. So that was, that was really good. And the, the thing was, her grandfather had a house down the road in where we were in the church. And so she shifted from Auckland to come down to Wellington here. And so she came under the teaching and the leading and the guiding and the governing and the teacher, you know. And, and between the two of them, you know, one will put a thousand to flight, but two will put 10,000 to flight. These, this young couple, this young couple just poured themselves into young people. And every young person in the, in the town knew who they were, what they stood for, and they had a great following. And he grew up in the church and he began to be a preacher. He began to really, you know, be stimulated by, you know, just really giving out 
in a different way. And so ultimately, long story, shortened down, I took him on leadership for our nation. We've got uh, just a hundred churches in New Zealand and, uh, and thousands of people in the churches and there's a lot of youth in all those churches. He now is the leader of the, all the youth of New Zealand in our churches. And they have, con- they have their own conventions. They have their own conferences. And they're pumping and doing it. and It's just happening. All because you poured something in. And we've got to get used to the fact that, you know, that we will have a lot of people coming in, young people, but we, we've got to appreciate that there's something in them. And if we can't see it, we can't bring it out. But we've got to look for what they're doing and, and feeling and sensing that, you know, they've got something. And let the, the feel as though they belong to the family for a starter. And that's a most important, pertinent point. Amen? I could tell you some uh, more stories, but I better get on to the Word. (laughs) But I think this is the living Word, and this is what I'm trying to convey to you tonight, and this is what what God is really wanting uh, you to understand, that He is interested in another generation. And, And He could do that, but He's given us the option as to whether we want to be part of that or not. And so I believe that the church has got to be part of it, and, and the people that, that come in, they feel wanted, needed, helped. And uh, they, they see they're fatherless. It's a, like a fatherless people out there. And well, they come in and somebody father them and look after them and be generous to them. And, and the, the unusual, this unusual thing, but this young man, not Sam, but there was another young man in the, in the church, and uh, they were going to go off to India uh, because he, he's married to an Indian girl, and they had been in India, come out and begin to be a part of the church. And so when we took the church over, this young couple, we're walking down the stairs, and Julie turns around and talks to them and says, because they were going to go to India, that you guys are not going to fly the coop. And they both laughed because that I just said upstairs, we're going to fly the coop now. She, she's the prophet, Tess. <laughs> and, and so I talked to them, I talked to him, and put him under the wing. And over the period of time that we were there, he became an amazing Person. So we were able to handle the ch- hand the church over to him to be the senior pastor, and we went back to Auckland. And that church today is one of the most flourishing churches in New Zealand. And this young guy is now, I was the leader of all the churches there for eight years, and I said, this guy is going to lead the nation. And so he now is the lead man, and he is creaming it. It's amazing. And it's, it's youth. Uh, the youth are gathering. There's momentum there. And so I believe that, you know, God wants to do something like that here. And so 
Let's believe for it. Amen? All right. So here's, here's a, a, a few scriptures here. I just felt like I'm going a different way here tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, down to 15. Here is Paul, and he's talking to Timothy. He says, These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth. Now, that's a good word right there. But be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. And so all those there are what we need to work on with a lot of young people. They're pretty loose in their living, and, and so there's a word right there. And verse 13 says, Till I come and give attention to the reading and excitation to doctrine, do not neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy by the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them, the young people, that your progress may be evident to all. And so here's Paul talking to to the church and talking to the people and indicating that, hey, the world is full of young people. Let's really pour into their lives. And so Paul's letter is written in part to balance the overemphasis on age. And so Timothy, he was a young man, and he was called to lead people who were much older than his own parents. And these young people that are out there, they've got it. And and if if they're given the right thing, they'll lead. And people will get touched and renewed and become really excited about what God is really doing. And so Paul's exhorting him. Timothy, not to let his age stop him from leading, and subtly tells the Ephesus church, the members who would certainly have known the content of the letter, to look up to Timothy in spite of his age. And you know, sometimes we can judge young people and say, ah, oh, you know, they're just young people. What do they know? And, and you know what that's doing? Grieving the heart of God because he's, he said, those young people there, you don't know the capacity that I put in them. There's a purpose in every one of their lives. There's a gift that I want to give to every one of those young people. There's a something that he can and she can grow up into and be a leader in time. And it will be because we love them, we accept them, and we embrace them, and we believe in them. And we're going to see that the young people are not scared to come to church because they get looked down on or they're not bothered or they just have to gang around for themselves instead of mixing and blending and being a part of family. And so I just really believe tonight that God wants to really bring the young people in. In fact, I'm not just saying I believe that's what he wants. I'm prophesying right now. And, uh, you know, I just really felt that. You know, it's a, it's a real truth. Even in the Middle East culture where age is honored, God 
has never been afraid to use young people to accomplish his purposes.